1: It's Mason from the Backdoor Cut Show, and you are listening to a rewatch of the Grizzly Spurs Game 6 from 2011.
2: Enjoy. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Backdoor Cut, part of the Bar Burner Podcast Network. Uh, we're here in the midst of this pandemic. We're enjoying beers, hanging out, and we could think of nothing better to do than to rewatch an old Grizzlies, an oldie but goodie Grizzlies game. Uh, I'm joined here with Mason. And we have our friend Jonathan, a.k.a. Chico Daniels, uh, on the line with us as well, the resident Spurs fan. And we couldn't help but ask him to come on and talk this game uh, and, and kind of rewatch an old classic from 2011, Game 6 of the uh, first round of the playoffs, the eight-seeded Grizzlies versus the number one-seeded Spurs, a 62-win team. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies had just acquired Zach Randolph and, and uh, I believe Tony Allen the, the, that season, earlier in the season, shortly before the trade deadline. Um and so we have a young team figuring out who they are, maybe not young in age, but young and being together. And then the Spurs kind of entering their second life as a title contender. Uh of course, you know, they, they won three in ninety-nine through two thousand seven. Uh, and then they're, they're back again uh with the the same core basically trying to win again and we see them from 2011 2014 go on a run. But before I get into it, Mason, how are you? And then you can kick it over to Chico. Uh I just finished up my rewatch and all I gotta say is
1: Z-Bo! z 50 Z-bo. for the city! <laughs> uh, I'm good, though, man. I'm ready to get into it. Chico, what's up? Man, you know, here in New York City,
0: trying to stay away from the coronavirus, so I was glad that I got this invite. Sam was like, <laughs> Sam was like, you available? I was like, do you really think I have anything else to do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> dude, that's just a, a nice thing to ask. You know, you don't want to be like, hey, dude, come on my podcast. You have no choice. It's just like, you, you know, know it's a nice, privilege thing to ask, so we're happy to have you and glad you're here. You're Appreciate wearing a Tony Parker jersey. That, that Spurs, I am. Who I believe is one of your favorite players oh, growing man. up. Yes, sir. Uh, and, and why? Like, why are you Spurs fan? you just like Tony Parker's game? Yeah. Talk breakout. So, out.
0: So basically, actually, funny enough, the, the Spurs were playing the Knicks in 99, and my brother was a huge Knicks fan. And so being a little brother, I was going for the Spurs, and I really liked Sean Elliott, Avery Johnson, Tim Duncan. Or not Tim Duncan. Oh, yeah, Tim Duncan was there at that point. Yeah. David Robinson. Uh, and then, yeah, kept watching. And then that's when Tony Parker got drafted in. Oh, one, I believe. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. Like the 27th pick too. Like he was late 28th, but close. Oh yeah. There you go. Um, And so so you didn't,
2: (laughs) Oh, excuse me, excuse me. And you didn't even know that he was going to come. Like, I don't think that any, did he even come to the league like right away or did he play in France for a while or did he come play right away?
0: I can't remember if he, I'm pretty sure he played right away. He was like 19. I think when he got into the league, Mm -hmm. he was pretty young. Um, but yeah, then his game style just yeah, it was my favorite. He wasn't flashy, but I don't know, you look at him and I feel like his handles are heavily underrated. Mm-hmm. Um but then also his ability to finish at the rim, but he really doesn't jump much higher than Zebo off the ground whenever he, <laughs> he lays the ball up. Uh so yeah, I just enjoyed the way he played and then yeah, the the whole Spurs as a as a whole.
1: Yeah, and I can attest to Chico being a legit Spurs fan ever since I've known him since we were like nine or 10. So uh, this is not a a fake Spurs fan. It's not like a stunt you would see at a Grizzlies game when a a fake Spurs fan catches a pie in the face. This is a real (laughs) deal Spurs fan. And uh, also, I think it's funny to mention how you got your nickname Chico because (laughs) uh, Jonathan and I both played on our high school basketball team and we were the only two guys who weren't black um and mm-hmm. and we had a new coach come in and he thought chico who is P- pakistani uh th- he thought he was mexican so he started calling him chico <laughs> and he didn't know my name so he called started calling me stockton <laughs> and and chico, wow. chico stuck
2: and stockton didn't <laughs> <laughs> yep well i don't feel like i ever i didn't know the stockton thing you definitely let that like i feel like slide underneath the the radar i never heard that i don't think or maybe you told me and i just forgot but Hey, it didn't stick, man. Not my problem. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but what I mean, did it's... stick was
1: Snowman eventually.
2: Snowman did stick. Yeah. I feel like but... Snowman's in my black book somewhere. Speaking where no one understands what we're talking about. But, uh. <laughs> and, and, and that came,
1: I was shooting free throws against the county, uh, which was next door to where we grew up in Columbia, Tennessee. We were playing against Marshall County and I'm shooting free throws and I look over and this one, the student section is singing Frosty the Snowman, which made me look over. Oh, and shit. Had, they've got a snowman drawn on a, a whiteboard and it had my jersey on. Uh, oh. so, so snowman <laughs> stuck. Yeah. And Young Jeezy was coming big, Jeezy the Snowman at the
2: time. So I was like, oh, that's a cool nickname. (laughs) Yeah, it really wasn't a diss. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Um, So, you know, all all Columbia high school basketball aside, uh, I'm excited to talk this game with you guys. And and what I've been doing a lot, I don't know if you've had a chance to do this, Chico, but um, I've been watching a lot of old games because I'm starved for basketball Mm -hmm. right now, starved for all Mm -hmm. sports. The NBA is doing this cool thing where they're on their YouTube channel. They're putting whole games up there from, like, Anything from like the 80s, you know, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird matches up to the 2014 Mm -hmm. um, Spurs Heat Series, the 2013 series with the Ray Allen shot. I know that also hurts. Uh, But uh, so I watched actually quite a bit of Spurs basketball because there's a bunch of Spurs games. Obviously, they've been in so many different decades Mm -hmm. of winning. Uh, I watched a 2005 Spurs series versus the Pistons when they won in game seven. And I noticed that that Mm -hmm. team is basically the same team that we see in this this year. Uh, including mm-hmm. Mc, McDice, who's a heavy part. I think this is mm-hmm. kind of the last big McDice year. He played like <laughs> 30 minutes, got roasted by Zebo.
1: I mean, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> I,
2: I think he, like, yeah, he just retired after that. That was tough. <laughs> but, uh, it, but he was pivotal in 2005 against, uh, Ben Wallace, actually, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the other Wallace. So, like, it was, it's interesting to see that that six years and how the team changed. But, um, that Spurs team, sixty-two wins, you know, number one in the West. That the Grizzlies team, uh, forty-six and thirty-six. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what seed we were that year. Oh, eighth seed, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we were fourth in the Southwest Division, coached by Lionel Hollins. Um, kind of the first like breath of life into the grit and grind era, and uh, we're game six back in Memphis. And and what were some things that you guys noticed when we watched this weird foreign stream of this game? Hold on. Let me let me just
1: set the stage a little more. Please do. Um, so the entire West standings at the time was Spurs one, Lakers two, Mavs three. The up and coming Thunder were four. The Carmelo Nuggets were five. The Blazers sticks, the New Orleans Hornets seven. And then the Grizzlies were eight. Um, and the spur the Spurs team was really kind of ahead of their time shooting threes. They were at, On the season, they shot 40% from three as a team, right? That's pretty fucking ridiculous, even in today's game. Yeah. And uh, the Grizzlies, in contrast, they made and shot the fewest threes in the league during the regular season. Um, but they were the sixth best offensive rebounding team, which we'll get into when we talk about game six. And, uh, of course, we were... Coming into that defensive juggernaut, we led the league in steals and we were seventh in blocks and we averaged ninety nine point nine points a game, which was good for 12th in the league, which surprised me. Yeah, (laughs) especially after watching the offense in this game Um, and then just to dive into the individuals, uh, Zebo and Rudy, both averaged 20 a game. Of course, Rudy, that's Rudy Gay. If if you Grizzlies fans have forgotten or just too young to know. Uh, Rudy hurt his shoulder with about 20 games left to play in the season and was not a part of this playoff run. Um, Not, you know, never really was a part of a playoff run for that matter. Um, Zeebo also averaged 12 rebounds to go with those 20 points. It was his fifth straight season averaging a double-double. And I'll save that for the Zach Randolph's case for the Hall of Fame podcast that – I'm thinking we're going to do later, uh, just as I'm thinking about it in my head right now. Uh, young Mike Conley, uh, with no, very little hair on his head, averaged 14 points and 7 assists. Young skinny Marc Gasol, uh, 12 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. O.J. Mayo, a big contributor, averaged 11 points off the bench. And then uh, Tony Allen and Darrell Arthur both averaged 9 points a game for the Grizz in the regular season. And then just leading up to game six, game one is another one of those uh, Grizzlies games that goes down in history because the Grizzlies won on the road in San Antonio, and it was our first playoff win in franchise history. That's, of course, when Shane Battier hit the three, three-pointer from the wing uh, with about 23 seconds to go that kind of gave us the win. And then I think it was right after that he drove to Houston where his wife was giving birth to their daughter. Uh, it was either right after the game or right before. I didn't have time to look it up. Um, so that gave the Grizzlies their first playoff win and a 1 0 series lead. Game two in San Antonio was a, a loss uh, for the Grizzlies. Then we won game three at home. It was 91 to 88. Uh, Zebo got a three on a broken play with like three seconds left that sealed the deal. And uh, game three at home was the debut of the Eva Longoria Fathead, which we'll probably get into for game six. <laughs> Uh, and then game four at home was a Grizzlies route, and that was my first playoff uh, Grizzlies game to ever attend, and I think the Spurs were leading at halftime, and then in the second half, the Grizzlies just couldn't miss. Um, like Tim Tim Duncan and them were on the bench with six minutes to go, um, so that was my first game. I sat in the club level across from the Grizzlies bench, and I remember during that third quarter, there was we were right on the edge where those glass partitions are separating one section from another and me and this older black man were just embraced in a hug for like two minutes because the grizzlies couldn't miss <laughs> jumping up and down while we're
2: hugging wait um, a minute wait a minute we got this comment here it's just fantastic <laughs> <laughs> almost thought the guy in the middle was Tony Parker. <laughs> does, Boy,
1: the, yeah. does y'all's uh skin tone and similar appearance have anything to do with your fandom of him actually
0: no it was just a, a innocent coincidence because my okay. hair was even shorter at that point and I didn't have the beard you know I just had the the light goatee so I feel yeah. like it made me look even more like him back in the day
2: Yeah uh I have always often thought that I wondered about that uh is it kind of a uh life imitating art sort of deal but uh well ho- hold up here Oh, Pac-Man, what up? First suck. <laughs> <laughs> Holler at you, Pac-Man. And then bootleg Tony Parker looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so,
1: yeah, Grizzlies win game four, game five. We lost in San Antonio, and that set us up for game six with the Grizzlies leading the 3-2 in the series. So, Sam, I'll let you take it from there.
2: Well, Chico, I wanted to ask you. I don't know if you got a chance to watch a lot of them. That, that that season of course we were in college so we didn't get to catch as many regular season games as we'd like probably but mm-hmm. you know who who is the best player on this team because uh, you know I, I assume Tony Parker he was kind of the youngest of that big three yeah. but I don't know if we had a renaissance Duncan season or a Ginobili season. like who walk me through who was the uh, who was the best player on this team or was this the beginning of the kind of Spursian we'll share the ball no guy's the guy that shines shoot a ton of threes. I mean, you look at this bench, George Hill, uh, Gary Neal was still hooping back then. Matt Bonner Mm -hmm. led the league in in three point percentage that year. A young Danny Green that rode the bench barely played at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. So like you look at these, these great guards that the Spurs always seem to have just a slew of really quality, intelligent guards. But who was the, who was the star on this, this year's Spurs team 62 wins. That's no easy feat.
0: Yeah. I mean, as far as I can remember, I felt like it was Tony Parker, but you know, with Tony and Timmy and, and Manu, it could always change, you know, game to game. Um, I know I saw during that, uh, at the beginning of the the game six, it, it said Tony Parker was averaging 19 points on the series, um, which, yeah, that's pretty solid. Um, and, yeah, it's like, you know, Spurs basketball, it's just very – that's what I loved about rewatching this, honestly, was seeing how even in – I don't know if I'm jumping ahead on getting into the first quarter – um, but when the starting five were sucking it up, uh, Pop put the second string in and they're the ones who kind of clawed back into a, you know, 10 to 8 point deficit. Um, is Gary Neal and, and George Hill, like you mentioned. Um, but all in all, I would have to, at least based off memory, I would think that it would be Tony Parker that would be the, the, the head guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, George Hill played 38 minutes in this game. Uh, mm-hmm. and and richard jefferson who's a starter only played 10 and Yeah, his, pop just kind of rode the the guy that seemed to be playing better one thing i noticed mm-hmm. too looking at the plus minus you know this is kind of a, a retroactive looking back at these games with all these advanced statistics it's fascinating every Spurs starter was a minus uh which is, oh, which is wow. crazy tony parker on minus 10 duncan a 12 a minus seven mcdice a minus 15 and Richard Jefferson to minus 13. So, I mean, and, and, and something that Chico and I were talking about before you got on, Mason, was that, you know, the, the Grizzlies defense has always been good. But I don't think we were quite there yet this, this series. So the Spurs just missed a lot of shots, too. Maybe mm-hmm. shots they made all season. Uh, but what did you notice from, from at a high level when you watched game six in terms of just schemes and things that was happening?
1: um so first of all i forgot that richard jefferson ever played for the spurs (laughs) (laughs) most people do (laughs) and if you when you hear him talk about it he admits that it was not a good fit for him and like he wishes he could have been better for the fans and i think he was going through a divorce that season so he had a lot of off-court issues and stuff like that but yeah he didn't even he didn't play after halftime that's how bad he sucked it up the whole series um so just weird to see dickie jeff you know like nine years before he won a title with LeBron and played a critical role just out there sucking it up like in his prime years. Right. Um, but oh, go ahead,
2: go ahead. No, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I one thing I noticed too, and Chico and I talked about this was the three point shooting, you know, we see the Grizzlies one of nine from three, only the one alone three made by Sam young shout out Sam young. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about him later. <laughs> um, and then the Spurs five of 22. So they're already shooting, 22 threes, uh, in in a game and in a playoff, a, a do or die playoff game, kind of demonstrating they're they're looking ahead, they're like ten years ahead of where the teams were now. You, teams average 25 a game, but you know the, the Spurs are doing it at this point. None of them were going down. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I did notice too, and something you brought up about the amount of points we scored at this point, 12th in the league. This this team got up and ran a lot, uh, and this was like younger Zebo. This was, uh, you know, Mike Conley when he was like 23, 24. Uh, you could put O.J. out there. You know, Darrell was out there athletic. Sam Young was athletic as hell. This was a really weird, like, what we always wish was when we would get down on offense in the half court, we would, like, do a rushed, like, a a, a fast break post-up. And that was happening more because everyone was running the floor a little more athletic than what we remember. 29-year-old Tony Allen just, like, just to freak out there, you know, even after the ACL injury. So I noticed that they played much faster than the 2013, 2014 era uh, Grizzlies when it was truly in the mud. This was a weird rendition, something I didn't remember. Um
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and just back to what you asked me a second ago about what I saw from a high level, one, Tony Allen was a maniac. Like he was tipping every pass. Uh He had like six steals, I want to say, something like that. Uh, Grievous Vasquez got tossed into the fire very early because Mike Conley picked up two fouls in less than two minutes. And uh, Vasquez had kind of been shaky all season and Lionel hated him. But he played one of the best games of his career, uh, his short-lived career, really. Uh, I know he went on to Toronto and played some meaningful times, but this was a big game. Was I believe he was a rookie at the time, too. Um, so going against Tony Parker, and he was deflecting a lot of balls. But I thought overall this game was just chaos. Like you saw the Spurs t- making dumb turnovers that they usually didn't make. Uh, and it was all the big three. It was Tony, it was Manu, and it was Timmy just making bad passes or, or not catching the pass or stepping out of bounds. And, and I just think everyone was playing so tight, especially like the Grizzlies came out and jumped on them early and got like a 14-2 to two lead, something like that. Um, and then after the Spurs kind of subbed their bench in, like you mentioned, Chief, uh, it was just a lot of tight booty hole basketball. Um, I, and I thought I didn't think there was a lot of open shots in this game, especially in the second half. I know you guys just said that you thought there were. But uh, n- when I was watching the second half, I was just thinking man, like no one is open. And maybe that's because. They, we especially weren't shooting a lot of threes. The Grizzlies offense was mainly throw it at the rim and hope Zebo or Mark gets it <laughs> and then score. <laughs> like, it, it seemed like that was the only way we scored was off of offensive rebounds. So that's just mm-hmm. my, my take from a high level on the Grizzlies defense and our offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're seeing the Twin Towers uh, offense, you know, the the high-low working Zebo and Mark. And it was always, initially, Mike Conley probe, throw it into the post and work from there. Either, you know, he reposts the guy or they, they get to kick out to something. But, I mean, realistically, at one point, and something that I think the team started to figure out later, there was no one that could shoot on our team on the floor. And so, like, the, when we were throwing in the post, really, they should have triple teamed everyone. Well, they were. Yeah, we Zach Randolph that. made a lot of great passes really out of the post. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we made him pay. Those times he passed out where happened to be shots that would go down, too, which was like kind of one of those mental things. We, we missed a lot of shots, too. You know, one of nine from three. But um, yeah. it, I, I, was like, it was almost like a 90s
1: game. Like the kickouts were yeah. like to the free throw line. <laughs> like we're shooting mm-hmm. those little set shots. Yeah, maybe, was it
0: me or did Mark not shoot that many mid-range jumpers in this game? He shot he like not. one. Yeah, he shot one he
1: mid-ray jumper. Yeah. And we got to remember, Mark was still coming in to who we yeah. know as Mark saw now. Yeah. Like he was It was weird. Early center, <laughs> yeah. Like, didn't really have a lot of skill. It didn't seem like like even his points came off of offensive rebounds or a dunk, mm-hmm. especially late in the game. I know he, he had a stretch where he scored like six in a row. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just crazy to see how, how far him and Mike came and to remember how good Zach Randolph was during this series.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, we can get into kind of the quarters. I I know that the immediately when the game started, I was like, Sam Young starting. Like, I I mean, (laughs) like I was like, he's one of those guys that you remember his name and you can remember the Trotters, like, you know, him saying his name. And you remember him like being out there. But like, I just I mean, I didn't really remember what kind of player he was. I knew where he played, but I didn't know like what he could do. But, like, what do you remember about Sam Young? I mean, because this is kind of at the very beginning of when I got back into Grizzlies basketball.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, this was the beginning of Sam Young, really. So I think Sam Young is a guy who uh, struggled from thinking he was better than he actually was. And if he would have bought into being a role player in the NBA, he he might still be in the league because he could shoot, he could defend, but he just tried to do too much, not necessarily in this game, but that's just my memory from him overall. Uh, he was the only guy to hit hit a three, like you mentioned earlier, for our team, and he hit it in the first half. Um, but Sam Young, like a lot of these guys you think about, if they would have just bought into their role, like Sam Young or O.J., or Sam Young and O.J. and Grievous, then they could have been integral pieces to good teams for 10, 12 years, you know, if they stayed healthy. So that was my main takeaway from just some of our role random role players in this game was like, damn, these guys – all had the potential to have lucrative NBA careers and be winning players if they would have just bought into their role and not thought that they were supposed to be something more than they weren't.
2: I couldn't help but think that, too, about uh, Darrell Arthur. You know, those, those three guys and Darrell Arthur as well. Yeah. That it, it was just one of those things I was like, wow, we had all these guys that were contributors on a winning playoff team that just had no nothing careers after but, the fact.
1: But D.A. probably had a 12-year career. He played in Denver for forever and could continue to knock down that mid-range shot even after he couldn't. After he got hurt and lost his athleticism. So yeah, I, true. I, I'd separate him from those three.
2: That's true. But I did notice that, how like the, the, the role players were like, you're like, wonder where their careers went after the fact. Yeah, and D.A. was so
1: athletic, man. Yeah. He's was blocking,
2: blocking shots
1: out of nowhere. There was a stretch in the second half where he had two alley-oops in a row. So it was just fun to reminisce on, on some of those bench guys who we don't remember as much. Not so, going to lie,
2: I completely forgot OJ Mayo existed until I rewatched this game. <laughs> Dude, and he's, he's like, I mean, see, like, you know, so the whole plight of a Grizzlies fan was, man, I wish we had that two guard that was like, that could make mm-hmm. open jumpers and could like slash and was athletic. And I mean, we had you know, like, uh, like he was the, he was the guy, like he should have been the guy. And that's what, mm-hmm. it blows my mind why he, he didn't end up becoming the guy. We see some, like some, Lionel didn't like him to some degree. He was a frustrating guy to coach. He was a young gun that thought, maybe thought he was a little better as Mason alluded to. But in this game, I thought I was like, oh, this guy's going to grow into the starter next to, you know, Mike, uh, OJ, Tony, Zebo, and Mark. And then that's just, that's your starting lineup right there and And, mm-hmm. like you just get every everyone grows together and gets better and and in fact, we see in the fourth quarter when we get there, you know o j start like plays in nearly the entire fourth quarter. Lionel mm-hmm. goes to this the, the best player lineup uh, at the time. We'll get there, but I noticed that o j was out there uh instead of Tony in m- most of the crunch time fourth quarter minutes because of the scoring aspect so that that was another thing I noticed too but any any other uh, any other first quarter comments I, I mean they a total ass whooping, no rhythm from the spurs, and, and yeah. you know you knew they were going to come back. But it was so weird. They just looked beat before they walked in with the turnovers in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see Pop 2 his typical, like, I don't care who you are. I'm going to pull you out and talk to you on the bench like you're a rookie mm-hmm. if you're playing like a rookie. And you know, we see that happen. Um, Bonner check... Oh, sorry go, sorry, go ahead. Bonner checked Zebo at one point and was actually one of the best defenders of the, of the game on Zebo. Matt mm-hmm. Bonner was just fighting him to death. I, I don't, I just think that's funny when random guys come in and like end up being good matchups. And mm-hmm. he was an example of that because McDyess was just getting absolutely tortured. Oh yeah. What were you saying?
0: It was just weird watching the turnovers in the first half or in the first quarter, because it's like, you could watch them telegraph it. Like you, you knew where <laughs> Tim Duncan was. You saw the cut that he was looking at and mm-hmm. people were able to get hands in the lane. Same with Tony Parker and Ginobili just, Oh man, he's, he can be that X factor. That's like, you either really want him to have the ball or you really don't want him to have the ball. And this was one of those games where up until probably like the end of the third into the fourth, I really didn't want him to have the ball. Um, But yeah, just based on how, like when you saw the second string come in, it's like, why couldn't the starters do that? Uh, But that's one thing I love about Spurs basketball is that the second string can come in and like Mason said, play that like tight butthole basketball where everything's just clean. You make pass fakes, you do what you need to do um, to get easy buckets.
1: Yeah and the Spurs had six turnovers in the first 9 minutes which is and and then in the second half they had like one turnover until the final 3 minutes so it just was not Spurs basketball but like I said Tony Allen was all over the place in that first quarter And uh, it was 24 to 16 at the end of one. And what I wrote in my notes was ball was all over the place this quarter. Errant passes, Manu doing crazy hook passes when driving left to right corner. Uh, Because he would, he would drive so hard (laughs) left and get deep and just like throw a hook pass to the corner. And like Tony Allen's right there to catch it and go the other way. Mm, Yep. Um, But I mean, more times than not for them, that pass worked. He, he loved that pass. And like, when you see it, You remember, like, damn, Manu did that all the time. Oh yeah. But this game, the Grizzlies were just sitting on it. And then um at the quarter break, uh seeing Brett
2: Brown sitting next to pop (laughs) I was like, Oh shit, man, you look like a drunk next to Pop. But yeah, he he probably was. He was definitely drinking whiskey out of that like Gatorade thing. (laughs) (laughs) Guy's from Providence, Rhode Island, and he's Catholic, so he's like super fucked up on that bench. Uh, So and who was the other the, the 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 Bucks coach? He was on the bench too. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you see these guys that have gone on to become playoff basketball coaches, and I mean, the, the pop coaching tree is nothing to to mm-hmm. snip at, man. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So moving on to the second quarter, uh, I, I have my notes. Terrell was a freak. I think he had a ridiculous alley oop, uh, a one handed alley oop on a pretty ridiculous grievous pass, which is the classic throw it up and hope the, the big fella can go get it. Uh, and then Mike, you know, I noted at this point had barely played. Two quick early fouls pulled out, and Grievous steadies the ship uh, in mm-hmm. a way that rookie point guards rarely do. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, Mike, you Mike always Mike got, got his third one quick when he came back in in the second. So he okay, had yeah. the bench, yeah, right. And and so you 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 look back and you kind of apply revisionist history. You're like the core four won us that game, but realistically, Mike didn't have much to do with this win. I mean, he had a couple big buck couple elbow jumpers that were huge, but you know, I mean, Grievous probably had more to do with an an actual W than Mike did, which is hilarious when you look back on this. Uh, what other uh, court second quarter comments do we have?
1: Uh, all I had was hard doubles on Zebo when Bonner checks in <laughs> and athletic DA because he had a block where Gary Neal was going. Uh, going up for a layup and yes. uh, just came out of nowhere and <laughs> beat it. And it was like, oh shit! Yeah, and that led to a break. Um, but I mean, the second quarter was pretty rough. I thought just not great mm-hmm. at all. And even though the Spurs shot a lot of threes, like their spacing wasn't great. Every it, like I said, it felt like a '90s game. Everything was inside the perimeter on both sides. So mm-hmm. uh, that's just I didn't have a lot on the second quarter. What about you, Chico? Yeah, I just love that pop.
0: I I, fit, I can't remember 100%, but I feel like he went with the same lineup that was in at the end of the first to start the, the second. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he put any of the starters in. I know Ginobili was in early, so he might have started Ginobili. Um, but I just love that pop mentality. Like He just doesn't care. Um, yeah, even in yeah. a closeout game, potential closeout game, he's like, Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> like, <performing."> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like I'll put Tiago
2: Splitter in as the point guard if I need to. Um,
1: I but, forgot how long he was on the Spurs,
2: I'm yeah, like, man. Yeah. This has got to be first season. I mean, he played 13 minutes in this game, but yeah, like uh, because he was part of those meaningful, you know, those, those heat series. You can remember yeah. him coming in and and kind of like being a dinosaur in this like modern pace and space era when they had Bosch at the five. Um, but mm-hmm. right, and we got DH here. Shout out shout out Chico. <laughs> your boy Chico on the mic jack of all trades. What's up, DH? <laughs> um um yes. Yeah, oh, so, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was no, gonna go ahead. say
0: another thing in the second quarter. I feel like just the theme of the Spurs being in the game was Gary Neal and George Hill. It was them getting easy layups whenever they could, hitting mid range jump shots. At this point, I still don't think the Spurs had hit a three in the second quarter. I'm not sure. Um but yeah, I would say that
1: they were the theme of the team at the point at that point. Yeah, there there were three total threes made in the first half. And to think about that now, like when you watch today's game, like if, yeah. if there was a game when only three three threes were made in the first half, like people would be stabbing their fucking eyes out. <laughs> people, yeah. don't, people don't appreciate this. And I mean
2: it was just physical basketball. It 46 forty-six forty-three at the half.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, very much so. We saw uh, Sam Young hit the only Grizzlies three that quarter on a on a Zebo double team, Zebo quick kick out Sam Young in rhythm uh, corner on, from the elbow three point jumper. Um, uh, we saw uh, Tony Park or Tony Allen had a fantastic Tony sequence, which is maybe one of my favorite forgotten Tony sequences. Is it with 721 left in the second quarter, he pokes the ball away from Ginobili when he mm-hmm. gambles uh then i think splitter recovers the errant ball tries to give it back to ginobi but tony has already recovered intercepts the give back pass and then it's his fourth steal of the game i mean he's already changed the way that they're even dribble handoff on the perimeter and he's in all of their heads i mean it it was something to behold to watch this guy play in his prime like i mean he's an absolute chaos agent and i mean i I don't know if there's somebody has done this but i need i need a like youtube video of his like his wild steals. And that'd be like just as exciting as like a Jeff green dunk package or something, which I saw when we traded for Jeff green, which fuck that. <laughs> uh, straight on that. <laughs> uh, so that was a, a great, a great Tony sequence. And one, one that I think's long forgotten, you know, of course you remember the warrior series, first team, all defense, you know, when he, when he walks through the kids performing and all those sort of things, but I feel like I had forgotten this one. And, uh, and so, yeah. Yeah, and this
1: was a second team all defense. Tony Allen. He he was named second team for oh. this season. He was not. He had not yet been named to a first team, uh, but he did lead lead the NBA in steals. He averaged one point eight a game and didn't make first team. So, uh, and he yeah. finished he finished fourth in the voting for DPOY. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the all defensive team has five players, and if you finish fourth in DPOY you should probably be on that team, but they don't, they don't like guards like that. Yeah. Superstar.
2: Yeah. And it's like the position. Oh, well, uh, Let me look up who was on first team. Yeah. And then, and then who was defensive player of the year? I'd like to know that. Uh, maybe Dwight Howard. Probably. Yeah. They love big guy. I mean, it's like, if you're a big guy, like you don't do anything else. It's like, okay. Um, third quarter, uh, so yeah, 46 oh, 43 at half. One what second. You
1: I got it. I got, yeah, Dwight Howard was DPOY, Rondo, LeBron, Kobe, and KG were the uh, first team, other first team members. Hmm. So, I mean, Kobe, come on now.
2: I <laughs> mean, the other ones make sense. I, I don't, Kobe, I don't, I didn't know him to be a good defender other yeah. than the Michael Cops, you know, but maybe he was. That was I was was kobe remember. That was
1: Kobe's 11th time being named to it.
2: Jeez. Yeah. Wow. That's an underrated Kobe fact. I did yeah. not know that. Very Damn. much so. Damn.
1: All right, third quarter.
2: Uh, I only have three notes here. I have a, a – <laughs> Duncan had to drive to the basket on a roll, and Battier fouled the shit out of him. Probably would have been a flaker yes. in today's <laughs> yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. And it thing, wasn't – co- yeah, yeah, I was like, dude – this almost makes up for all the calls we don't get. Like, this is the biggest missed <laughs> call, and it's such a crucial moment. Like, uh And, and oh, yeah. I, I was like, we don't get that call ever, but we did then, and I was shocked to see that. What else we got in third quarter?
1: And right before that, Timmy had just missed another bunny too because uh, that's what I had in my yeah. notes. And, and Tim Duncan was just struggling this game, man, and I thought it was highlighted with, the, with that, you know, one-minute stretch of play right there. Uh Shane Battier, d- defender. Makes you wonder if he would have stayed with the Grizzlies instead of signing with Miami in the offseason if he could have been a difference maker. Um, the only other notes I had was uh, all the Grizzlies points were at the rim. <laughs> like it, it was legit bully ball. And if we didn't have a shot, someone just tossed it up at the rim and hope Zebo or Mark t- tipped it in. Tony was also big on the offensive glass. Um, late in the third, Darrell had those two lobs in a row. Uh, one, one was from OJ, one was from Grievous. And uh, that that really kept the momentum going as the Spurs were kind of closing in. But I, th- I thought the third quarter was a lot like the second quarter—pretty boring basketball. A lot of boring basketball in today's uh, NBA fans' mind, and it was just physical as hell. Like you mentioned that Shane Battier play, and like that was a collision, and they called nothing. And that that was happening all game. Mm.
2: Yeah, it was yeah. Just, it was shocking to see it happen to a superstar. You know, like uh, and and nor- normally you get that call, he gets that call if it's all ball, you know, just because of the, the head. The uh-huh. he even jerked his head back, and because it, it was legitimate, you know, flagrant, like uh, by today's standards. But um, yeah, what were you about to say, Chico? What you what else do you notice?
0: Yeah, the third quarter, I, I when Mason said momentum, it made me think about this, but it's like the Spurs could never get any real momentum, like. We stayed in it like every time you guys threw a couple punches, we were able to just stay within a a reasonable distance. But there was never anything where, you know, we could get two or three buckets in a row without you guys scoring. (laughs) Um, I don't know that that happened at all in the third quarter. I'm pretty sure it didn't happen in the fourth quarter at all. Um, But, yeah, the only exciting thing in the third quarter for
2: me was Ginobili hitting that buzzer beater. (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: when Grizz Nation was like, Oh fuck,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, classic backbreaker fashion. You know, you think, all right, shit, shit, and then three three quick points. Uh is gonna get it going. He saw that go down. And then, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen this story time and time again, or maybe I guess not at that point. But, uh, you know, like the Spurs fans had seen it time and time again, a fourth quarter Ginobili come come alive. Uh, uh, and I mean, you know, they're the one seed. We're the eight seed. Game seven would be in San
1: Antonio. And it, that just kind of seemed to be one of those momentum changers. If you yeah. had if you had watched the NBA for a while. And it was just like, "Oh shit, come on guys I'm like that's all you could say to yourself like just pick yourself back up, keep fighting <laughs> as, as well, someone
2: what? that watches so much NBA basketball now and kind of like is so used to the way games ebb and flow, I would have bet if you'd given me odds right then after that three, I would have bet we would have lost that game yep. like because the way it felt, and I, I would I would have bet like you know it's the spurs man that they're, they're they're champions they're they're poised, mm-hmm. they're calm under pressure, they're better at every position, you know, except for a superstar Zebo at this point, but you know they Tim Duncan's better than Zebo, you know, like that. And they play the same position. Granted, Mark was guarding him. uh, And you just think, like, the odds are, like, they come back and win this. And you could tell the Spurs were so calm. Like, every time that they were, like, down, at no point, I don't think, did they believe they were going to lose that game uh, Mm -hmm. when it showed them. Like, until, you know, two minutes left after the Grizzlies went up 10. But Mm -hmm. I I noticed how calm they were because they've been in so many fucking big games. Like, game sevens in the finals. And and they pulled it out. So uh it was it was interesting to see. What why do you think uh, Chico that this Spurs team didn't seem to have it, whereas like the next three years did? I mean, we saw some personnel changes, like the poorest kind of replaced McDice, and then we saw some some better shooters come in. Danny Green plays a more pivotal role. But mm-hmm. why, why, what what's the difference? Because in theory, you'd think younger Tony, younger Duncan, younger Manu, they win sixty-two games. What happened in the series? Was it just a matter of like didn't know how to deal with our clash of styles and then and supernova or, or what?
0: Yeah. I mean, you look at the Grizzlies in this, even though they didn't like, it wasn't the prettiest ball. Y- y'all were scrappy as hell. Like <laughs> there was just, I don't know. I think it just threw the spurs out of their rhythm. And even though, I mean, I, I would agree with Mason to some degree. I think that there were some good looks, but there just also weren't some good looks. And that's why Tim, when Tim Duncan and Battier collided, I think that was just Tim Duncan trying to create anything he could at that point. Um, But I think you guys just threw us out of our rhythm in this series. And I don't know if it was like the big brother mentality where we thought we were going to come in and just take what we wanted and do whatever we wanted as a one seed versus eight seed. But that's, that's one thing I love about the Memphis culture and the Memphis, the Grizzlies is there's no, I feel like y'all never really view yourselves as the underdog. Like the Grizzlies will always come into it thinking that they have a chance. Um, and I think that's what happened in this series. Uh, it was hard to watch as a Spurs fan because it's like you do look, – I, I look at the team and I'm like, oh, yeah, we easily should have had a shot. You know what I'm saying? Like we should have beat you guys, went to the second round and played the Thunder, right?
2: Yep.
0: And, yeah, so to see you guys go ahead, it was just like, huh. Um, but wh- when did Kawhi get drafted? Was that 2012?
1: Yeah, it was right after this. The next pretty, year. Because hey, y'all traded George Hill, who was yeah. – Coming into his prime, averaged Mm -hmm. twelve points, I think, in this series, and so, and then Kawash came shortly after.
0: Yeah, and like that, I mean, that's a huge trade. Like Georgia, I think, was a late first round pick, and then traded him for Kawhi and Davies Bertans and some other (laughs) random person.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think it can be understated how bad Richard Jefferson was. He only averaged six points and four rebounds in this series, and mm-hmm. I think I think that is really what did the Spurs
2: in. Right, you plug Kawhi yeah, in there, right? True. I mean, like, uh, but but granted, I you know, I watched the 2013 Finals, and you know, Kawhi is not the Kawhi we know him to be now. He he was a right. good defender, he was athletic mm-hmm. in transition, but you know, he wasn't knocking down these insane shots that he gets to oh, no. spots and. Um, so yeah, but he was still a step up from Jefferson. So you, you plug mm-hmm. in you you got, you got more shooters, kind of more versatile guys, and then maybe they just get better. But I, I was fascinated to see this roster was, should have been better. I mean, it was, and it, was it was a number it won a lot of games. It just, it just fascinated me that they got beat. So I know mean,
1: Sam Young outscored, uh, Dickie Jeff by 20, Tony Allen outscored him by 15 in this series. So, I mean, just, he really let, let them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one one thing that I forgot was just how relentless Ginobili and Tony Parker are. Like they continued mm-hmm. to attack the basket and continued and especially as we get into the fourth quarter, but it was just like, damn, these guys never stop, even with like Tony Allen draped all over one of them. They just keep going. Uh the, the Tim Duncan bank shot, I think I feel like has been forgotten. Like when mm-hmm. we were growing up, everyone, if you've made a bank shot, they're like, oh, Tim Duncan, <laughs> like, no, man. <laughs> but uh, you saw him make one of those and, and miss a couple in this game. But when mm-hmm. I saw it, I was like, oh, damn, that's the Duncan bank, bank shot. Like, does yeah. anybody even shoot that anymore? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, Richard Jefferson, I think, is just to answer your question, Sam – that to Chico that I interjected in, mm-hmm. was. no, I think, yeah, no, I think that was the problem with this team because I think Ginobili, Parker, Duncan might have been start. This was one of Duncan's probably not great moments, and he bounced back from this. But mm-hmm. after after this series, you have to remember, literally everyone declared the Spurs dead for mm-hmm. the foreseeable future, and then they mm-hmm. bounce back and they're like in the title in, in the championship every year. So,
2: yeah, I mean, and and I think that. The Duncan thing, I mean, I watched the 2005 game seven and he was, he had like seven of those bank shots and he was unbelievable, you know, at every, in oh, every yeah. part of the floor, got six years younger. So it makes sense. But I mean, that, that was, that was when you watch games like that, you're like, Oh, I get it. I get why he's Tim Duncan and why we remember him this way. But let's not forget, you know, those first teams had like a Robert Ory, who was kind of like what you mm-hmm. hoped Richard Jefferson would have been, Ori was huge for that for that, that game, at least, when I watched. I was like, this uh, Ori should be, like, finals MVP. Like, uh, he did so much in that game seven. Um, and so that – that I, I feel like the Spurs just didn't have that Robert Ori uh, for this particular series that they hoped it might yeah. be Jefferson or me- maybe you Gary Neal off the bench gives you 20 or a couple big threes or whatever, but it just didn't go down that way in this in this or go home. Tony Parker is – I want to just like dive into him a little bit. I don't understand why he's as good as he is because like Chico alluded to earlier, he's not particularly athletic. It's not like he has hops. He's, he's quick in that water, but you know, he kind of coined that water bug point guard sort of style where you're just like, you quit, you're quick, you move around. He's, he's, he has a good handle. Like you said, underrated handle, but the way he finishes at the rim and gets to the rim, at will, and gets to his spots. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, when you watch some some late spur stuff, you he hits so many jumpers. There's a, mm-hmm. a couple a couple heat games where he hits like seven straight jumpers, and the heater just staring at each other like who had your who's the, who's covered, and they don't know what to do because he's unbelievable and unstoppable. But I don't understand why he wasn't tortured more defensively. You know, like why the guards wouldn't go at him? And it, it, I mean, I never noticed him being a necessarily bad defender. Maybe because Tim mm-hmm. Duncan's behind him to clean up. But why? Why do you think Tony Parker specifically is Tony Parker? Because he was unbelievable, even in this game where he's off. Like it's still, There were a couple of times where he had some shots and it was like he was about to put them on their back, on his back.
0: I just think his agility was very underrated. I remember one of my first DVDs I ever bought was NBA Ankle Breakers. And the, <laughs> the, the amount of times that Tony Parker broke somebody on that was ridiculous. Um, but it was it was never on anything flashy like you see today, right? Like with Steph breaking the way he breaks, like Chris Paul every year. Um, it was it was nothing. It was nothing crazy. It was just standard crossovers or an in and out to a crossover or a behind the back. It was nothing. It was nothing crazy. Um, he did what
1: he had to do to beat his man.
0: Yeah, like and nothing else. <laughs> um, how he finished so well at the rim, I don't think I'll ever understand. Because w- watching it on TV or even watching it in person, you just think he's going to get blocked. Right. Or there's no way you have an angle that low under the backboard to to even get it to the rim, let alone use the backboard <laughs> to make the layup. Um, so that was always interesting to me. Um, but defensively, I always felt like when he was younger, I feel like I remember him being a really good defender. Um, I don't think he's that undersized to what guards were when he was probably coming so. into the league. yeah. Because he's probably what, do y'all know how
1: tall he is? 6'1", 6'2".
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So I don't feel like he was too undersized um, or like too scrawny or anything like that. So that's why I feel like he didn't get taken advantage of. But then also, like you said, um, just like the the team defense mentality as well, having Tim Duncan back there, uh, McDice, Splitter. He's always had a big man, uh,
2: Nazi Muhammad, if you guys remember him. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the, the uh one thing i mean i i noticed is when he gets in the paint too a lot of times like he'll do a stop and then he'll do like this reverse pivot kind of like up and under move he does he has a lot mm-hmm. of like post moves once he picks up his dribble but he has his his um his defenders kind of like on skates almost and then he he hit a big shot in one of the heat series like that where he hits like a insane circus shot but he, it's a tony parker shot so it's like probably mm-hmm. the most control that anyone could be in uh but yeah no he most guards you can like I don't think of him as a especially good passer. You think of, like, Derrick Rose, freakish athleticism. You know, Chauncey Billups was, like, overpowered mm-hmm. you. Like, you, you can kind of, like, identify the traits of the different guards mm-hmm. that that made them good, you know, that made them a special. But, like, Tony is just hard to put your finger on it, and that's it just perplexes me, you know?
0: But, but like you said, his jump shot was insane. Yeah, like, no, him, but, him and Timmy butter. with that – yeah, with that pick and roll, there were so many things that could happen once that happened.
2: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and they were all high percentage shots. Like a- every option was high percentage. Yeah. So that yeah. was
0: always fun to watch him get into a rhythm. He wasn't particularly a good three point shooter ever. The only time he really shot him was in the corner. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his mid range game. He
1: could bust your ass for 30. Right? <laughs> yeah, easy. And, I mean, he just had an innate feel for the game. He had impeccable touch, like some of the spin he would put on those layups and just the the arc he would put on his floaters on some of those shots you thought he was getting blocked. Like, he mm-hmm. just knew where he was at all times and, like, how he needed to put the ball up in order to give it a chance to go in. And mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't – like you said, he wouldn't settle for the three-pointer. He would take that mid range and knock it down – and I still think in, even in today's game, if you can knock down that mid-range like Tony Parker could, you are a dangerous player, especially in fourth quarter and winning time. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think
2: today's NBA could learn a lot from Tony Parker. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I'm always reminded anytime I watch any Spurs playoffs. Um, going into the fourth quarter, I noticed that it's Zebo time, first of all. But the uh, – What's line- the line- score? Uh,
1: I, don- uh, I actually don't know this. The- okay, we're uh, we're –
2: it's 70 to 66 after Ginobili hit that half court shot. Right. So we're okay. up four. Momentum theoretically changed. Grizzly's up four. Uh, Lionel rolls out this lineup Vasquez, OJ, Tony, Terrell Arthur, and Zebo, who to the point I, I don't think had played yet together as a cohesive lineup. But he, it was sort of a who's performing in this game the best right now. Uh, OJ, had given him some good minutes. So he went with OJ and then Mike, he still hadn't put back in. You know, Mike, some foul trouble and hadn't really gotten in the rhythm yet. Thought that was really interesting. Uh, noticed at one point, McDice dunk puts Spurs up one, I think 81 80 or something like that, with uh, four minutes and 39 seconds left. And, and at yeah. that point, we you're. We you know, no, go ahead. Go ahead. That was just my next note. Okay. Uh, so Tony Parker airballed
1: one of those corner threes that Chico was just talking about. And uh, it led <laughs> to one of the best. Zach Randolph fast break layups I've ever seen in my life he was actually trucking down the court trucking and I had to you know bring the ball over top and go up with the left hand over a smaller guard and that put the Grizzlies up 7974 with 638 left and then we had some tricks from Tony Allen uh, There were he he was trying to get the ball to zebo he was trying so hard to get the ball the ball to zebo he's got it tony's holding it at the free throw line for like the 12 seconds and then he throws it to zebo as the shot clock's expiring and zebo just like knocks it out of bounds he's like what the fuck like the shot, shot clock expiring uh, and then the very next possession tony's trying to get it to zebo again and the grizzlies get a shot clock violation and the spurs score um, both times and so they bring it to sit within 79 78 and then mcdice gets that dunk uh with 439 so chico you got anything before, before that part of the game um i think
0: before that ginobili was starting to find his rhythm um i didn't write anything specifically down
1: but yeah, that's like- exactly it because the spurs obviously made a run and it was ginobili
0: yeah, and like you said, he's he's relentless, he's tenacious, and I feel like he's a goldfish. Like he didn't think about any of his past mistakes for the the previous three quarters, and he just keeps attacking, he keeps shooting, um, even if he took. Well, I think it was a little bit later in the fourth quarter, he took a bad step back three, but mm-hmm. um, but he was finding a shot, and like that's yeah, that's something that um, I've always like admired about him is that he can somehow forget his mistakes on the basketball court. He just continues on.
2: I would have to think that like his, I mean, I feel like he's feast or famine sometimes when you look at his final box score and I would Mm -hmm. have, I would love to see, I mean, this probably is gonna be shocking, but I bet he's got to be the X factor completely in terms of winning as well. I mean, I I have to Mm -hmm. imagine that a a playoff game win loss would look exactly like what Genova's box score is like Mm almost, almost 100%. Because he, you know, the, even the game before, the game five, we kept seeing a, a graphic comparison put up between Ginobili in game five when he torched us, shot like 10 of 18. Uh, and then in this game, you know, to, up till the fourth quarter, he was performing very poorly. And Doris Burke was you know, talking all about that. So it, it, I think he's such a, uh, the, the guy for this first, man, you know it and we all know it. But it was, it was so interesting to see that over and over in all these playoff games. It's like when
1: he drives left and gets to just right outside the block and rises up, he's, he's either mm-hmm. going to pass it back across the court or he's just going to bank it off the glass. And mm-hmm. like like you said, he would do that every time, no matter if he just had a turnover the possession before or, or what. But he was just relentless, man. And he shot 32% from three in this series. Um, one of the better spurs, Tony, shot 12%. Uh, Tony Parker that is and George Hill shot 26%, Gary Neal 26%, um wow. Matt Bonner 33% and Matt Bonner was 46% on the season. Yeah. That 13% so, wow. drop off. Yeah. So we you know maybe this was when the Grizzlies realized, so. Yeah. Hey, we we can lock your ass up. <laughs> but it, it, this Spurs team was weird. Like they were this was like they were not expecting this but something was off and – I think it's my boy, Nicky Jefferson, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, sixty-two wins, though. You know, like yeah. I, I keep, I keep going back to that because that's that's consistent excellence. You know, you mm-hmm. you don't just walk in the gym and get that. Like you got to be playing insanely good basketball. The Grizzlies have never even won sixty games in a season. Yeah, so, you know, and and I don't know how many Spurs teams did. Uh, I mean, I imagine quite a bit in that era. But like, damn, that's a lot of wins. And so that that's why I just I can't square. Now this is Game Six, one game, right? I just can't square that team and then the regular season team. You know, it just doesn't – I just don't – I can't square it.
1: But for the bigger picture even more, if, if people forgot, the Grizzlies tanked uh, their last couple games of the season to face this Spurs team because they had beaten them handily the last two times they played in the regular season. So they yeah. like their matchup going into this, and they believe not just because of that Memphis mentality that Chico mentioned earlier, but because they had proven that they could beat them uh they went 2-2 on season series but they beat them good the last two times and that was the matchup they liked i mean what their other option was kobe so
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: which which, which with this which with this loss
0: that made the spurs 0 and 3 in memphis that year or owen
2: and o and five yeah, yeah. 5- we- no, yeah cuz it would have been three memphis games yeah they three, three memphis playoff games.
0: games Yeah, yeah
1: yeah
2: so
0: yeah, maybe. The, One thing uh, I w-
2: I will say, if the Grizzlies
1: hadn't the tanks, we would have got a Tony Allen versus Kobe playoff matchup um, outside of, you know, the Celtics-Lakers final series. And that would have been cool to watch, but not as cool as watching us beat the Spurs. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I think and, and
0: another big X factor might have been Popovich actually answered Doris Burke's question at the yeah. end of the first quarter. <laughs> yeah.
2: he, no, he loves Doris, though. It's like a yeah. thing. He lo- like Because Doris – he really respects Doris Burke, and so he, she walks up and she asks one question, then it's it. If she doesn't ask the follow-up dumbass question, I think Pop respects that. So, uh, But yeah. you're right. He, he was, like, a little bit more jovial than usual. Yeah, he wasn't you know? short.
0: He was yeah. very, like, yeah. actually answered it. That's <laughs> true. Maybe
1: because he knew Doris was only going to ask one question and no yeah. follow-up. So he's like, I'm yeah. going to give her you know, five words in this one. So. Yeah. But, uh. Uh, if you are a fan of the Ringer Rewatchables podcast and expecting us to talk about the broadcast, Sam briefly hit on this earlier, but the the film we watched was not in English. So we have no broadcast notes. The only thing we could understand was when Doris would interview Bob Rewindle. So, so uh, we have no, no comments on the broadcast team. We don't know who was good and who was bad because we couldn't understand shit. They were enthusiastic, though. I'll say that. Oh, yeah.
2: They asked uh, Shane Champ at the very beginning of the game and we're like, Hey, how come you guys are like uh, you know, how come you guys are here? Like what do you, you know, what are you doing? He's like, I, I mean, I think we just believe that we can win. And that, that I was like, What a dumb hmm. question. You know, like I, like I don't I don't why like you're basically saying like you guys suck, like you're an eighth seed. Why how come you're beating the one seed? And it was just like a and it's just like classic sports journalism bullshit. But yeah, I thought that I mean, was funny.
1: Shane played like 23
2: games with the team before the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> right?
1: yeah. Like, I don't know. They just yeah. took like, I don't
2: know these bros. Yeah. But uh yeah, that so so okay. So we're four minutes and thirty-nine seconds left. McDyce Dunk puts up, puts the Spurs up one. Mason, I feel like you've got some good notes. Take me through the end of this game. Uh
1: well, right after that McDice bucket, I know Zebo scored. Um, and then, as we continue to progress in the game, there were a few Zbo buckets, uh, and then Tim Duncan was trying to hit Tony Parker on a cut, and Tony, it was it was really not a good position for him to catch the ball. He was like running, he's like in the short corner, running towards the corner, and uh, the ball went out of bounds, and that was the Spurs' first turnover of the second half. So, on the rewatch, I'm like, okay, this is probably where we. We get it going. And Mike Conley hits what felt like maybe his first jumper of the game. Def- like, definitely his first jumper, maybe his first two points of the game. And uh, it's like, okay, Mike hit a jumper. Now we got a chance. And then the next note I have is Zebo wheels one in over McDice. And this is Zebo a is little a fadeaway. A little yeah. extended on the left block. And this one isn't quite a fadeaway. This is like the ball gets stuck be- like between them, and Zebo just like. Tosses that bitch up and he goes (laughs) in. And then the next possession, Zebo gets the ball. He's on the right block and hits McDice with a step back fadeaway, with feathery ass fadeaway, too. Just like right in, right through the net, and the net just swishes like you see in a movie. And then Zebo on the, the next time he gets the ball. So that the one, the step back fadeaway over McDice put us up five, 85 to 80 and you you're, you're kind of like all right this this might be over and then Zebo gets it against Tim Duncan and the double team comes and Zebo's like trying to get out of it and then he just dribbles with his left hand from the right block just he's just shy of the foul line in the paint and does a double clutch runner and it's butter and like Zebo just took over the game in those final 4 minutes there's no other way to put it he was not going to lose this game and that, like you mentioned earlier, Sam, that is superstar Zach Randolph. Um, and hopefully we'll be seeing those highlights when he's inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in a few years. Um, because he did this series, and Zebo's performance in said series changed Memphis basketball forever. Uh we will never like it without Zach Randolph, who knows where the Grizzlies are. We we may never we definitely never make seven straight playoffs in a row. Um, but this is a guy who came from turmoil, just looked at as a bad guy in the NBA, put our franchise on his back, and made the Memphis Grizzlies something that Memphians and fans of the team could be proud of. And there's no better moment than him closing out this fourth quarter with, I believe it was 17 points. Uh, you see the end of the game, and he's got 31 points, and you're like, oh, Zebo was hooping. But most of those came in the crunch time. He had some free throws to ice the game. Zach Randolph took this game over. And if you've never seen this or you don't have shit to do, I suggest going back and watching those last five minutes because Zach Randolph
2: played some beautiful basketball. Yeah, he he just solidified himself right then, you know, in that in, the, in that five minutes uh, into our hearts and into the the franchise lore. But, you know, one thing that I like, I like taking guys like, if 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 we have Zebo now or if he, like came into the league later, he's shooting like he's shooting threes, right? I feel like you can. He's got a great jump shot. He's got great touch. I mean, there's no reason to think that he couldn't develop a great three point shot. Imagine like that if you alter his game in that regard, or even if back then we'd started getting him shoot more threes. Like yeah. I, I think like he'd have been a whole different player for, in, the, Which in a you, better way.
1: You started to see later in his career he drift out to the corner and knock them down. But one thing I forgot to mention in this first court quor- in the first quarter of this game everything was like so intense we ended up kicking out to zebo for three threes in the first quarter and at the time that was unheard of and it was all just bailouts like oh shit here's actually <laughs> none of them went in and they didn't look particularly pretty but i, I forgot to mention that in the first quarter zebo did wind up taking three threes and it was like uh this this might not go well even though we're winning so Chico. But the thing
0: I don't like about that argument of, like, him being in a league where, you know, three-point shooting is more common, I feel like then you lose his bang down on the block. Like,
1: yeah. I don't
0: think it would have been to that level. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, at times there were four people on him in this game, and he just mm-hmm. muscled them and the ball to the rim. So, yeah. uh, you know, he, he maybe he's one of those players who could uh, kind of change the game if he came in today's era, like Zion might do just a, a big bully guy down low mm-hmm. but I mean he, to close the game he wasn't getting z-bounds which he got plenty of in this game and it it's good to see those again like him just barely getting off the ground tipped, <laughs> like, who tipped that and it's like zebo running down court like ah that was me man yeah. uh, <laughs> uh just and like it wasn't a lot of his fadeaways that we were used to seeing like when he would square up and you know jab, jab step jab, yeah fade away. it was just straight zach
2: randolph bully ball yeah I mean, he, he was getting to the rim. He was, like, scoring in transition. Like I said, this was a more athletic Zebo than than I remember playing in those big – the bulk of those years. You know, because he was, what, 29 at this point, 30? I mean, he was a young guy, like, in, in his in his athletic prime. So, it was a different different Zebo, for sure.
1: Yeah, so, Chico, what, what did you think about the close of this game on the rewatch?
2: Oh, it
0: was hard for me to watch again. <laughs> like, at halftime, I actually had to go get, make a drink because I was like, ooh. <laughs> I've got two more quarters to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fourth quarter, yeah, I, and, I mean, because I already knew what the final score was, um, I, I w- my blood was still boiling a little bit because it was still hard to watch us not click like I knew we were going to in a, in a couple of years or after that or even before that. Um, seeing that the potential was there but it not happening. Um, I know Ginobili, within those last three minutes, I think he took a really bad step back three that I didn't like on the wing um yeah nobody could find it I feel like Tim Duncan missed a few uh at the end too yep. and yeah it, it, at that point before I think after we took that lead and then you guys came right back I think even back then I remember being like oh yeah this this isn't a good look for us because y'all were always a challenge for us like I, I felt like up until after the Zebo years there was consistent competition. Like now we haven't even talked about the fact that Rudy Gay wasn't playing in this game.
2: right um,
0: and like yeah. I know I know he's a very controversial character for Memphians and Grizzlies fans, but I just remember watching Spurs games like whenever he played for the Grizzlies that whole time and he was always a Spur killer. I feel like he always averaged twenty plus against us and was always just a hooper. I don't know how he would have changed the game. Um but yeah uh it was it was a hard a hard fourth quarter for me to watch
1: uh so i was watching the game at, at my office and then i came home and i had like 20 minutes before i had to hop on this show and so i watched the last two minutes of the game on my phone in the shower as i'm watching the rona germs off me from my <laughs> office and Zebo hit the, the fadeaway over McDice from the right block. I'm like, let's go, Zebo! And my, and my wife walks in. And she's like, what did you say? I'm like, no, I'm just watching this game. She's like, have you ever seen it? I'm
2: like, yeah, but fucking Zebo is going ham right now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get it. Like he's he's fucking hooping. Yeah. Oh, man. So, one thing we'll probably need to do, I didn't mean to torture Chico in this way. I, I just thought he could provide a unique perspective, but. I want to watch the and for the for the opposite reason the 2013 Western Conference Finals one of those games when we got swept by the Spurs mm-hmm. uh, in in, a, in a, they're basically same rosters you know that's that's kind of what I'm talking about is how like dominating you were that that I mean the, the Spurs were the best team in the league even better than the Heat I thought you got robbed in Game Six you know when Ray Allen hit that three definitely should have won another title but that 2013 Spurs team was something man and like. That was the first, mm-hmm. like, when the, the passing and, like, those all those gifts that were made about, like, you know, nerdy basketball riders like Zach Lowe were yeah. just, like, jizzing their pants over all the Spurs basketball. And, like, I, I just want to know, I, like, having watched this, I want to, like, look at what the difference is, you know, what changed. Like, and that's what fascinates me.
0: I'll say Kawhi was a huge difference in that series. I was at game four of that Western Conference Finals in Memphis, and I remember just watching Kawhi go, like, go off, and it it was insane to watch he wasn't a three-point shooter at that point, but his mid-range game was still nice. His defense was nice. Yeah. He could get to the rim. Uh, and between 2011 and then, Boris Diaw was very underrated for yeah. what he did for us. Like, I feel like no one thinks about Boris Diaw, but I am watching him.
2: LeBron Killer, Boris Diaw. Yeah,
0: he yeah. man, I don't know what it was, but he just fit into our system well. He could knock down the open threes, open mid-range. He could get to the whole I mean, he was probably less athletic than Zepo in his jumping, but but he was he still there was some kind of factor to him that just clicked well with the Spurs. And I feel like the Spurs have had people like that for a while who yeah, only like work in the Spurs system yeah. and then they
1: leave and then kind of you never hear about them again. Yeah, like on one of those old games they had Louis Scola and I was like, damn, I don't remember them having Louis Scola. <laughs> yeah. I don't, don't like remember that either. Really. <laughs> uh, yeah. but I think that what I remember about the Western conference finals when we got swept was that I think at least three of those games were pretty close and it's like a bounce either way and, and the Grizzlies could win two or three games you know um, but another thing I remember is after the 2011 one versus eight series Greg Popovich was not going to let Zach Randolph beat him again and and they would double and triple-team him and, uh, you know, cut off the cutting lane. So the Grizzlies had to shoot threes, and we just couldn't. Except for Quin- Quincy Pondexter in that final, uh, Western Conference final series was the only guy who could knock down shots. And they they put Kawhi on Conley to limit him. Um, and we had really no one to do that with Tony Parker. And I don't th- – think Tony Parker could really be affected by a bigger wing player like that just because he was so quick and crafty. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it had the same effect as it did when teams did that to Mike Conley.
2: Yeah, very much so. Uh, it might be worth a revisit to kind of see the ebb and flow of one of those games as well. But you guys have any other uh, comments on the, the game six, the Western Conference finals? I know that we, the Grizzlies go on to play the Thunder in round two and take him to a, I think a tough seven games. Was it seven? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course a really young, uh, Thunder team with the 21 year old, 22 year old Durant, in Westbrook, uh, and then a 20 year old Harden, did, coming into their own. And uh, there was a couple big, big games that series. A couple of big grievous Vasquez games. If we can find one of those, that might be a lot of fun to watch actually too. Well, I mean, we got the triple overtime game. That's
1: a, that's a no brainer.
2: Yeah, that's true. We lost that one, or we could do one that's less remembered, a game the Grizzlies won or something. So the uh, that triple overtime, we were in Brotherhood Week. Like I don't know if you remember, uh, so we were like we couldn't. People were trying to watch on their phones, and in the middle of the woods. Uh, so,
1: and in Game Seven, we were at the beach for formal because I remember yep. like in the fourth quarter, I'm like trying to keep up with the game, and I'm not sober at all. And like just, <laughs> they're like, "I thought you're a basketball fan. Tell us what's going on." I'm Like I can't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man that's awesome well Chico appreciate you coming on man you have any parting thoughts with the uh with this game and we'll have to do some more Spurs games too
0: nah man I just I appreciate the invite this was fun we need to get
2: you and Collins on to do uh the heat a heat Spurs game oh that would be fun but now I
0: know I need to put I need to write down like minutes and seconds of the game and this person did that
2: but
1: (laughs) no this was
0: was a lot of fun
1: well cool yeah Uh, um there's just a few parting words, the Eva Longoria fathead with the Zebo handbit headband was wonderful. Um, and then as the game is ending, there's a guy on the front row in a light blue shirt with, I believe, yellow lettering. And it said, go flop yourself, Ginobili. So, and this was also when the Tony Allen and Chris Vernon shirts were being made because I bought one before game four and wore it to game four. So this was, I feel like, the start of the black market T-shirt industry for Grizzlies basketball.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It was it was it was fun to kind of see the the difference in people's clothes in the audience, even or like the makeup of the audience. And that was fascinating to see. Um, And just
1: one more thing I remember is I started working for the Grizzlies in September 2012. And and when I started working for the Grizzlies and the entire time we were in college, you never saw Grizzlies gear worn anywhere. And now you can't. Can't go to Kroger in Memphis without seeing, you know, at least one person in grizzly shirts or grizzly signs in someone's yard or some type of grizzly memorabilia around town. So, uh, this series win really like solidified the franchise one staying in Memphis and two building a, a solid fan base for many years to come.
0: You literally just made me think about the game that Brent gave us those tickets our freshman year. Oh, the was Knicks, it
1: Brady? The Knicks game, and we watched hey, the Knicks set an NBA record and yeah. winners it. made it. that game? Yeah. <laughs> we are, man. And the, Mike Conley, I'll never forget, Mike Conley missed a, uh, a layup trying to slap the backboard, and we were like, man, this yep. sucks. <laughs> Dark, Darko Militich, there's a name for you.
2: <laughs> oh, he played for the Knicks at that point?
0: No, we played for the Grizzlies.
2: Yeah. No <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>
1: that's
0: how wild 2008 was jersey ripping darko (laughs)
1: damn and one time we went to a a spurs game and we had really good seats for that that
2: someone oh maybe pat i've been to a couple games with pat and he had really good seats uh, i went to a clippers game with pat for uh Mm -hmm. blake griffin's rookie year and it had to have been that same season actually because he got drafted maybe the next 2010 Pat and did have the seats across from yeah. the Grizzlies bench, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those were dope. We yeah. weren't in those. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely not. <laughs> but yeah, one time I think we sat behind the Spurs bench in 08, and the other time was the Knicks game, which the Knicks game was my first Grizzlies game, and they, they set an NBA record for three pointers at the time. I think it was twenty. Who the uh, hell Nate was on the Knicks at that
0: point? In. Oh, Nate, Nate Robinson is the only person I can Nate remember. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
1: That's all you got to know, man. <laughs> Nick's
2: having a three pointer since
0: like, that season.
1: Well, and yeah, like five dollars for the upper <laughs> terrace level, yeah, not upper yeah. Terrace, uh, like uh, upper lower level. Like we were in that corner, kind of
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> damn. Hey, though, come a long way. Chico, what do you think of the, the new look Grizzlies? The John Moran, Jaron Jackson core,
0: man. I said it right when the Grizzlies drafted Jot that he was going to be rookie of the year, and that was before Zion got hurt. Um. I like Ja so much. He's he yeah. He's an ex, he's an explosive player. I feel like um, yeah. I feel like he's a more. Well, no, I'm not going to make that comparison. But were you about to say like more he, athletic Tony Parker? I was going to because um, <laughs> there's there's just, I don't know there's something about his game because like he gets to the rim he's very fearless. similarly.
1: He's fearless. Yeah, like yeah. Some.
0: But he's going to be the one to try to obviously jump over somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> like take <laughs> Kevin Love. But what about Spurs? Sorry.
2: Keep oh, what are you? Yeah. What are you guys gonna? Oh yeah. Go. Go ahead. Let, let's hear more about the Grizz. I was say, I'm yeah. a
0: huge, I'm a huge fan of of the Grizz right now. Like I mm. enjoy watching them. Um, I like Jaron. Whenever they came up, uh, here and played Brooklyn, not this past year, but the year before, I went, and that's when oh, Jaron scored like thirty yeah. something. In, oh, what a and great game overtime. to be at! Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. it was a terrible game until really then. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but but Jaron, because Jaron's points were quiet. I mm. like when I looked and saw how many he had in the fourth quarter. I was like. Dang! When did he score that many? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I went. I actually went to the game uh, to see them play the Nets. Just what? Um, like a month ago, I think they played like the first week of March before all the whole lockdown and all that stuff happened up here. Yeah. Um, not the best game, and not, I think they got stomped. Right? Did the Grizzlies get stomped or did the Nets get stomped? I
2: think they no, beat it was the, just, the Nets. They went on a road trip and won. They beat. That's the right. Nets. The Grizzlies. Yeah.
0: yeah the Grizzlies. They beat them. the
2: hell out of them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Bob sad not to get to see Job play because he was hurt. Um, oh, yeah. That was right after we beat the Hawks by like, we beat both teams by like 38 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a
0: whooping. Um, but
1: yeah, the, the Spurs, I, honestly, I'm not really sure. Um,
0: I don't think it feels like L.A. and uh, Demar or not DeMarcus, um, DeRozan really don't want to be there that much. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a, it, we're coming into a rebuild soon. But the day that Pop – Retires, I'm gonna have to drink a full handle of like Jameson or something. It's gonna be such a sad day.
1: Yeah, maybe that. Maybe I think I just figured it out, guys. I think the world was hit with coronavirus because the Spurs
2: were not going to make the playoffs for the first (laughs) time forever. There it is.
1: (laughs) You might be right. Pop might have done this.
2: (laughs) He was in the military. He's probably got some, like, black ops clearance or some shit. That's a joke. Pop (laughs) seems like a great guy and, like, like, he's a great great leader for our country. That's a joke. But, hey, something funny is happening.
1: Dude,
2: yeah, Yeah. because, I mean, LaMarcus and and DeRozan are too old to trade to get real assets, you know, and – yeah, it, it, it's yeah. I mean, you you hope to get something out of them. At some point, you're gonna have to trade them and they're going to be a rebuild. Yeah, I yeah. just
0: wonder if I I just wonder how it can the Spurs. Can the Spurs system evolve a little bit
1: into, you know, the current NBA? Yeah, because right now they got two players who love to shoot two pointers. <laughs> yeah. And that ain't going to do it. <laughs> and that's not really Spurs basketball. It's a weird fit for Pop and I think the organization in general, two guys who
2: are kind of known as superstars too. And
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it is. It is weird. The Marcus started shooting threes this season though. Like and at some point there's a bunch of jokes about how someone just pointed out there's this line on the court that if he stands behind <laughs> it, he gets an extra point. <laughs> and, and like he it was launching that shit though. I mean, at one point, like I, I was at a, a Spurs game at home and he was like, he hit like three threes. And I was like, wow, his shot looks great. Like, why hasn't he been – because he's always had, like, a real smooth jumper. You know, he scored those long twos. So he just stepped out two – like, two steps. And he's yeah. getting an extra point. So I, I noticed he he upgraded his game this season. So maybe he could end up becoming kind of an older stretch four for another kind of a playoff contender if you trade him. He was a monster whenever – because I actually went to that game in Memphis when the Spurs played the Grizzlies
0: mm-hmm. the week of Christmas, that Monday. I think it was the 23rd. Mm-hmm. Um But, yeah, LaMarcus was a monster. Nobody could stop him in that game. Mm.
1: That's my boy, LaMarcus Aldridge, from uh, New Orleans All-Star, I believe it's 2015. I was assigned to uh, be his assistant. That's awesome. I specifically remember we were building this Kaboom playground. Uh, if you if you ever watch Parks and Rec, you know what a Kaboom playground build is. Like their staff's all happy and shit. And like, oh, we're building this playground. It's like, all right, cool. What do you need me to do? And, uh, <laughs> and we were at elementary school and LaMarcus needed to go to the restroom. So I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm sure it's one in the school. Let's just go in here. He's like, cool. And we walk in there and the urinals are about two feet off the ground. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, uh, this is all we got. I'm going to wait
2: on you. I got some paper towels and some hand sanitizers when you come out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about the splash residue, man. Like he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's basically like all over his torso. Yeah. that's yeah, tough. He could have he used Larry David at the time. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: that's
0: amazing. Uh, what do y'all think is going to happen with the rest of the season?
2: Uh, I've heard that – well, I've heard, one, that the, the draft for sure is not going to happen when they think it's going to happen – when it's scheduled mm. in June. Um, yeah. that, without a doubt, will not happen. And I – I mean, you read all these letters about how, like, the league is – the few people that I know in basketball have said that we're finding out stuff as soon, if not sooner, than them when it comes to, like, the Woj bombs. So, honestly, there's not there's not wow. something that we don't know, really, because of the way that things mm-hmm. are disseminated. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think the the league and it's been noted that they are preparing to not have not play the rest of the season. Um, and they're mm-hmm. already right now, like financially fucked because they're trying to figure yeah. out how to pay the players, but then also ensure that they have enough cushion to not have to. They've already lost a billion dollars, which is insane. And mm-hmm. so they're trying to figure out how not to like completely pass it to the players. In an article I read today talked about how this could end up resulting in a cap dip. Uh, a cap cave, I think they called it, where the cap dips down like in 2016 where it blew up. And then we saw these crazy ass deals happen. Uh, how if you're a free agent next summer, you could be just as economically fucked as the rest of the economy. Uh so that was a really interesting it was a ESPN article. I'll send it around, but uh wow. I would be surprised if I don't know. I, I would be surprised if we be playing more basketball from this season. And that sucks yeah. for LeBron. I mean LeBron's does he pick this as his mm-hmm. season where he's like I'm going ham this season and this is going to be like one of my last, like I'm going to win this title. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have a, a the Bucks team that had the winning a preposterous amount of games wants to keep Giannis uh, and not have to lose him when he forces his way out of Milwaukee. And the only way they can do that is by winning. Mm-hmm. You got Paul George and Kawhi team up <laughs> in the Battle of L.A. And you so. got them for two years in L.A., and this one's a wash. So
1: like – I know. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's, yeah, but, I mean, the, the California public health officer the other day said that they didn't even expect football to be played in this mm-hmm. state until Thanksgiving. Um, New York's obviously still in a disarray. Oh, yeah. with two teams up there. So that's six teams out of the 30 who aren't going to be playing mm-hmm. basketball anytime soon in their home arenas. True. The Vegas idea sounds good of quarantining all the teams, but what happens when Vegas opens back up to you know people like me and you and they start mm-hmm. getting tourists who want to be around the players or whatever, and then the players get sick. So yeah. uh, I, I don't envision a scenario where the NBA completes this season or has the postseason, but I would love to be wrong.
2: Same. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I would prefer then to play the postseason and then start the next regular season later. You know, like even if that meant playing this postseason in September, October, and then starting the next regular season in December and playing that shortened schedule we've seen him play mm-hmm. during the lockout. Because um, that, that's how much I wanted to see this playoffs, because like this playoffs is going to be awesome. I mean, not only because, you know, theoretically, we got Grizzlies, you know, we get John, Jaron, playoff run, young guns, but also because I wanted to see the, the Lakers uh, um, Clippers. Like, right? I mean, that would have been amazing.
1: I mean, there's so much unknown. Like, could, could, yeah. Russ,
2: could Russ and Harden make a run? Could the yeah. Nuggets, you know? The s- Nuggets, s- nuggets s- finally get over the hump? How many storylines did we did we see mm. that not see the results <clears throat> of? Maybe more than any other NBA season. This season had so many cool storylines. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Chica? Crazy- do you think it's going to come back? No, nah, I really don't. And I think in some crazy world,
0: if you got what you wanted and they did push the playoffs just back to September, October – it would be so weird because they're not going to be in game shape. They're not going like I mean, they can still do their like regular workouts or whatever, but you can't simulate a live basketball game against you know five other pros. Um, so it would just be. I feel like it would be a very strange playoffs if they somehow came back and played them.
1: Yeah, and honestly, in the Mason Massey book of NBA history, uh, playoffs played without fans don't count. So. Even if we do finish this yeah. season, I'm, it's
2: going to be hard to really count it. Without a doubt, I'll we'll have an asterisk next to it for the rest of time. You know, like that's just like even if they do play and the Lakers go on to win, it's like, well, yeah, LeBron Wings or wasn't anyone there like booing him? And he, you know, like there'll be some hater yeah. on. On you know first take or whatever, talking about how you know, or it's
1: the Lakers didn't have home court
2: advantage, or, you know, yeah, 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 you exactly. got fans everywhere. They built this for forty
1: years or whatever. Like, yeah,
2: that's their job. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's it sucks. It, it sucks not having basketball. However, on the horizon, we have the MJ documentary, the ten part ESPN series, which is uh, supposed to drop next next week. I don't know if you know about that, Chico, but uh, we'll be we'll be tuned into that and probably do some episodes about it as well.
0: Cool. I'll definitely tune in whenever y'all do that. Because they pushed yeah. that up from June, right? That's when it was supposed to come out. Yeah,
2: it was supposed to come out right after the finals.
0: Yeah, they were like, well, no one else has anything to do, so let's just go ahead and push
2: this up. And then we got the horse competition uh, coming up this weekend. Which, oh, what so do, y'all, what, what do y'all happening. think about that? Yeah, it's, it's, well, uh, I, got...
0: I, I need to hear who's in it. I, I heard that they were thinking about it, but I haven't heard anything other than that.
2: Uh, I miss it in Supplement. I know Trey Young's doing it. Uh, I know that uh, Mike Connolly's doing it. it. I don't, I don't mind. Mind. And then Paul Pierce is in it. There's a couple WNBA players. Um, there's like a mix of I think Chauncey's in it. Actually, I know he is. And so there's like a mixture of retired guys and and active guys. But uh, and then and some WNBA players as well. So I don't know. Like I think each person does a shot in their own gym, and then they pass it around that way. So they're not actually together. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, so it might. I mean, it might take away from that McDonald's commercial kind of feel of like the what you imagine NBA players playing horses. But apparently they've done this in the past and Simmons was talking about how eventually it just becomes guys shooting like weird layups but it's not like cool. You know you you want it to be cool trick mm. shots but eventually the competitive aspect takes place so guys just start hitting difficult shots but not necessarily fun to look at shots. So yeah. it's like that because they just want to win. But so it's not like hey I'm going to you know bounce it off this wall and then it's going to hit the rafter and then like mouse trap like roll down into the into the the hoop. So uh, we're not gonna so, be seeing
1: a uh, Mark King shots, is what you're saying? No, nah,
2: man. Shout out Mark King out there, hooping with his Locked foot.
1: on Grizz uh, giving us some entertainment. Uh, but the NBA <laughs> tried this horse thing with All Star Weekend. I don't even remember when it was, and it lasted like two years. Uh, so while while I, impre- I appreciate the with in, in ingenuity, the creativity of the NBA, uh,
2: I could give. I don't really give a fuck about this horse tournament. No, I, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna watch it,
1: well, b- because I right literally have nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: that's, exactly. Yeah, like that's that's always the. I appreciate it. So like, appreciate your pledge, man. Congrats on your position. But you am know, I gonna I, plan my daily walk around
1: the neighborhood before
2: that? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm <yeah>. nah. <laughs> not gonna be glued to my TV set, like just <laughs> salivating at the idea of a rubber ball bouncing on a wooden floor. Probably, but. Yeah. How <laughs> Uh, all right, boys. Well, it was a good conversation. We, it was a fun time about this game. We need to do some more, Chico. We appreciate you joining, man. Welcome to the Backdoor yeah. Cut Show. Thanks for having me again. All right, Z-Bo. Z-Bo. Shout out Zeebo.
1: Zeebo. Zeebo. Again. Check it direct it, let's begin party on party, people let me hear some noise DC's in the house, jump, jump, rejoices. as a party over here, a party over there, wave your hands in the air, shake the dairy, yeah. These
2: three words mean you're getting busy, whoop, it is hit me